Hello and welcome to the Shift HR Radio Download, where our mission is to serve as a valuable resource for HR professionals, business leaders, and anyone looking for information that will empower you to make positive and meaningful impacts in your workplace. My name is Karen Byington, and I'll be your host today. I want to start this podcast with a little riddle. You may have heard this one before. A father and his son are in a car accident. The father dies at the scene, and the son, badly injured, is rushed to the hospital. In the operating room, the surgeon refuses to operate, saying, I can't operate on this boy. He's my son. If you are like 75% of the people who hear this riddle for the first time, you're struggling to figure out why this is possible. For the other 25%, it may have taken you a minute or two to figure out that the surgeon is actually the boy's mother. So this is surprising considering that Today, as of 2008, almost half of the 42,000 applicants to medical schools were women. So it shows that we still have an area of bias um, in our society that helps us and affects the way that we look at things. So there is a lot of talk about unconscious bias in the workplace and how many companies are recognizing the importance of raising awareness on this important topic. So we thought we should talk with an expert today to really try and understand what unconscious bias is and how it plays a role in our everyday lives. So I'm really excited to introduce you to our special guest. She is Shift HR's Director of Social Science and a PhD in Social Psychology. She's built her career studying unconscious bias and is here to help explain why we, as humans, are prone to this type of bias. Welcome, Carolyn. I'm excited to have you here today. Thanks, Karen. I'm so excited to be here. So I thought maybe we could... um, start off by saying that although most listeners probably have a pretty good idea of what we mean by bias or unconscious bias, maybe you could help really help us define what the the term is. Sure. Uh, Unconscious biases are preferences for or against a person or a group that are held at an unconscious level, so without our awareness or our conscious control. And these automatic preferences shape our likes and our dislikes and our judgments uh, about people's abilities, their potential, and their character. And they can really, they can affect our behavior and our decisions in important ways. So would you call unconscious bias a human flaw? Or is there really a biological or evolutionary reason that we behave this way? That's a great question, Karen. Um, I would say yes to both. All humans are biased. It, it is a flaw of sorts, but it is one that has an evolutionary basis. So rather than thinking of our biases as a personal flaw, we can think of them as an inevitable byproduct of our truly amazing but sometimes flawed automatic mental processes. So can you explain why our brains developed to have this function? Sure. So the human brain is hardwired to make decisions rapidly, drawing upon our assumptions and our experiences without our awareness. Uh, In evolutionary times, humans needed to make super quick judgments as a matter of survival. So judgments about who or what was safe, what was beneficial, valuable, Uh, So, for example, uh, a quick determination of whether or not a person was a member of one's in-group could be life-saving. And uh, this implicit hidden processing remains incredibly useful today. So we're constantly bombarded by massive amounts of information through all of our senses. And our hidden automatic associations are what enables us uh, to manage all of this information very efficiently, but not always effectively. So uh, completely unknown to our conscious brain, we're constantly making lightning-fast uh, generalizations about people and places and the things that we encounter. 
And these generalizations are very useful most of the time, but they sometimes miss very important distinctions. Yeah, and I think most of us don't even realize that this is even happening in the background of our brains. Right. You know, and I remember a few years ago I was reading about a test that Harvard created that can help you gauge your own bias. Um, and I took those tests and I was pretty surprised by some of the results that I found for me even being someone who I thought was more conscious of these things. Yes. Uh, so what you're referring to is the IAT, the Implicit Association Test. Uh, and the IAT is a test that was developed in the mid-90s by psychologists at Harvard and at the University of Washington, and it really changed the way scientists learn about the human mind. Uh, so just to give you a little bit more information, it, it's a computer-based task that measures unconscious biases by looking at how quickly we associate different words or concepts with specific groups or images. So, for example, how quickly we associate the words good or bad with either African-American faces or European-American faces. So if a person is quicker to associate bad with African-American faces compared to European-American faces, this would suggest that he or she harbors an implicit bias against African-Americans. And what's kind of neat about this test is that it's able to get at our hidden automatic preferences because it uses an ingenious measure, and that's response time. And it's so much more subtle than any test that would directly ask someone what they think or feel or how they would act towards certain people or groups. Right. And I think that gets back to the point where most of us think that we are, because our intentions are good, that our responses, you know, we're going to adjust our responses based on what we no, we should say, as opposed right. to, you know, what our brains are really going to immediately. Right. So it's interesting. Can you tell us some of the results that Harvard was able to gather from, from these tests? Sure. Uh, so the IAT has been taken by over two and a half million people, and the findings are really eye-opening. Uh, so for example, 75% of IAT users have an implicit preference for white people over black people. 76% more readily associate the category male with career and the category female with family, 70% more readily associate male with science and female with arts, and 76% have a preference for people without disabilities. So many, many IAT users have found it humbling to discover that despite their good intentions, like you referred to, and despite what they might believe intellectually, they have hidden biases about many social groups biases that are in direct conflict with the beliefs that they consciously hold. Uh, so for example, you might believe that women and men should be equally associated with the field of science, but your automatic associations could show that you associate men with science more than you associate women with science. Yeah, it's so interesting, the results they were able to gather from this. And so, you know, informative to all other areas of social science to be able to use that information. Um, and listeners, if you Google Harvard IAT, you can take the test for yourself. And I think you'll have, you know, an aha moment there for yourself. Um, so at Shift HR, we do a lot of work with companies to provide unconscious bias awareness training, because companies around the country are really recognizing the importance of addressing this issue, especially in the workplace. And so when we talk about unconscious bias training, should the ultimate goal be to reverse the evolutionary developments and try to eliminate bias altogether? No, no, not at all. Um, we rely on our brain's tendency to make automatic associations and to categorize and to make generalizations about the people and about the situations that we encounter. Uh, 
it's these automatic processes that enables us enable us to function in our modern society. We we really need our brains to keep doing these things, uh, but become by becoming more aware of how our brains machinery, so to speak, can sometimes lead us astray uh, in our judgments and our decisions, we can try to kind of outsmart the machine in our heads and we can try to interrupt our biases um, in an effort to align our behavior with our good intentions. Yeah, so I think the first real takeaway from this is that our biases are really part of what make us human and they allow us to be so high functioning. Um, Therefore, we don't need to be so defensive when we're asked to take some kind of Um, unconscious bias training to know that this really is a human function, but we can be better than what our, you know, immediate, um, you know, brain and, you know, functions are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So these automatic processes that enable humans to be so high functioning are the same processes which unfortunately do give rise to our biases. Uh, It's as though each of us sees the world through our our unique lens that's been shaped over time by our socialization, our our personal experiences, and our repeated exposures to images and ideas. And this lens helps us to make sense of the world as efficiently as possible. But there are also risks in relying completely on what our lens shows us. So we're never going to be able to eliminate all biases. But in trying to become more aware of our biases, um, we can benefit. It can benefit us and those around us and help us to be better and more objective and more fair decision makers. Yeah. You remember a few years back, there was that dress phenomenon all over social media um, and half the population saw the picture and they saw a blue and black dress and the other half saw a white and gold dress. Um, We all believe that our eyes don't lie. So how could half the people be wrong? Yes, yes. Um, People were just fascinated because everyone was sure that what they were seeing was the actual objective truth. And people couldn't just simply couldn't understand how different people's reality could be so different. Yeah, so what was what was really happening there? How could people, you know, be looking at the same thing and, you know, sure that they saw something different? Yeah, so I, I feel like I should really leave the explanation to vision scientists, but um, I will say that one explanation which is really relevant to our conversation involves the idea that the image of that dress, um, the image of the dress is of poor quality. So the conditions are ambiguous and there just isn't enough context. So the brain doesn't have enough information to determine the color. So under these kinds of circumstances, different people's brains react differently, depending on, for example, whether their brain makes an assumption that the dress is under a blue sky or uh, under an incandescent light, or whether their brain assumes that the material of the dress is shiny or not. Um, so uh, this it's a great example of how our brain is constantly filling in gaps in information and using stored knowledge about the world to help us make sense of what we encounter each day. And this same idea is at play when we look at cognitive illusions, for example. So those those clever drawings that seem to play tricks on our eyes and on our brains. And so cognitive illusions are, they're really striking examples of how our own particular lens on the world can truly affect how we see the world. Yeah, you know, at Shift, we use those types of cognitive illusions in our training, um, really for the distinct purpose of helping the learner see that we don't need to feel like we have to put up our defenses when talking about bias, that using those neutral images and helping them see how people can really look at the same thing and see it differently, it really helps relax them and put the topic of bias on more neutral ground. Yes, that's great. I think that's an excellent way to start the conversation. 
You know, I heard something really wise from a high school student um, earlier this week. He was talking to an audience of incoming freshmen, and he was telling them about how much he loved his school and what happens, um, that this school happens to have a very diverse population, both in terms of ethnicity and background, um, as well as interests and abilities. And the one thing you could be sure of, he said, is that as soon as you make an assumption about someone you meet, um, is no sooner than you'll be proven wrong. (laughs) So I thought it was such a wise... Comment. That's great. I really love that. Um, that's so true. Our minds really like to categorize and make associations with everything we see and everyone we meet. And this is precisely why we need to slow down and be more deliberate about the conclusions we draw. Uh, our assumptions and our stereotypes, um, they're often untrue. And perhaps even more importantly, they're always incomplete. Uh, so they can lead us to say and to do things that might be hurtful or even discriminatory Again, even when our intentions are good, we often have the best of intentions and, um, you know, these, our unconscious biases, uh, can sort of get in the way of those good intentions. Yeah. And sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it. So one of the examples, um, in the training that we do is, you know, we have an employee meeting a new colleague for the first time. And when they're looking at them to them, this new colleague looks to be Asian and thinking that they're making a compliment. They tell this new colleague that they're impressed with, um, you know, how well they speak English. And, you know, it's that same sense of really trying to get to, you think you have all the information and you're making a compliment and your intentions are good. But, you know, it's not always, you know, it doesn't always go well, you know, and the message isn't always received the way you intend it to be received. Right, right. At first glance, uh, it might appear to be a compliment and it might, as you said, really be intended as a compliment, but it makes some assumptions. um, For example, that English isn't the person's first language or that this person hasn't been living in the U.S. for very long. And so while the employee might have been well-meaning and basing her assumption on her experiences, experiences she's had with other Asian colleagues, she might find that she's offended someone who's lived in the U.S. his whole life. And it's these kinds of comments heard repeatedly that can make a new employee like this feel like an outsider in his own country. Yeah. And I I think we can all look back and find a time when we may have made these same kind of, you know, false assumptions that led to an unintended insult. I know, you know, I always considered myself a pretty progressive person. um, And especially when it comes to women's issues, I went to an all women's college and it was really geared towards making sure women were turned into leaders. Um, And just a few years ago, I was at my son's baseball game. Um, There was another woman sitting next to on the bench next to me. We've been friendly for a year or two by that point. And there happened to be um, an incident on the field where a boy was hit with a very hard hit ball. Um, and she jumped up and ran out onto the field. And my first inclination, I turned to the person sitting next to me and I said, oh, is Cheryl a nurse? And they said, no, actually she's a doctor. <laughs> and I just couldn't believe it. it was that pause saying, I can't believe that of all people, I just jumped and made that you know, inclusion, knowing that if a dad had jumped up, I probably would have thought, oh, he's a doctor. You're certainly not alone, Karen. (laughs) We've all done things like that. Um, It's, I mean, just think about the riddle that you began our conversation with and about how many people don't figure that out. Um, You know, like you, most employees come to work with good intentions and they're most likely not looking to offend anyone and they don't feel like they're biased. Um, But we all do make automatic assumptions And if they're left unquestioned and unchecked, 
these assumptions can have negative consequences. Yeah, and it's the consequences of acting on these unconscious biases that can really lead to trouble in the workplace and why so many companies are really focusing time and resources to raise awareness and to provide tools for managing bias in our everyday business decisions. Um, And by doing so, companies are not only improving culture, but they're improving productivity and they're reducing the risk that harassment and discrimination you know, claims are going to come forward. So Carolyn, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your knowledge and expertise with us. Um, We're out of time for this episode, but I would really love to have you back so we can talk more about specifically how these unconscious biases do lead to harassment, discrimination in the workplace, and some of the things we can do to try and prevent it. That sounds great, Karen. I look forward to coming back. Thanks. Great. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on the Shift HR radio download. You can find us on our website, GetShiftHR.com or on iTunes and SoundCloud. We hope you'll join us again soon. Take care. Yeah.